0: Welcome to the Jungle. A very good Tuesday to you. My name is Jim Rome. All right, coming off that long weekend, maybe you couldn't get through yesterday. Reality is we had trouble getting to everything we wanted to get to yesterday. So we're going to reset some of that. And believe it or not, I'm going to start today with some thoughts on the association. Probably about time for that, especially with a historic night last night. So... Let's get at this thing. Phone number is one 636 8686 one 636 8686 Hit me up right now. Big week. Also, follow me and hit me up on the X at Jim Rome. Keep that in mind. And email me at Rome, R-O-M-E at Habitatate.com. So it sets up like this. Coming up at 940, at tower number one. A beat writer for the LA Times. Covering the Lakers, Dan Wojcicki. Glover Quinn, former Texans, and Lion Star joins us. I think that's interesting, right? With the Lions going to Santa Clara, tick on the Niners, Texans coming off their great year. We're going to run him down in hour number two. Third hour is wide open. But again, use the phones. Yesterday was actually a really strong day on the phones. A lot of reaction. So if there's anything that you want to get to from the divisional round, we can do that. If you want to look ahead to the conference championship round, we can do that. Actually, I need to get right to it though, because of everything that went down last night in the association. Some of you owe my man Joel Embiid an apology. In fact, a lot of you owe Joel an apology. Not me. I don't, because that's my dude. And because I gave my dude his bleeping credit for his amazing season last year. Credit. And I called it, I said it. I said he should be the MVP. However, a whole bunch of people got all butthurt and outraged that he actually won the MVP. MVP. And I would imagine they're all still butthurt and outraged that right now he is the Vegas favorite to run it back and win it again. And by the way, that was true even before he put up a 70 piece last night. That's right. Joel scored 70. 70 points. 70 burger, 70 large. In fact, I think I'll let KD's reaction to finding out about that 70 piece speak for all of us. I don't
1: know if you saw Joel Embiid score 70, Kat has 60. 70? Yeah, Joel has 70 today. 50. Yeah, 70. So what did nights like tonight mean in
0: the NBA? Good point. Well said, KD. Well said. Bleep. 70s, no joke. And Joel is not messing around either and has not been for the better part of a couple of years now. There's no better Joel mode than Troel mode. And Troel has been Troeling the hell out of his haters and critics for a long time now. And last night was his masterpiece. After that performance last night, my dude is now averaging 36.1 points per game on 53.9% shooting, and there's only been one season of 35-plus points per game and 50%-plus shooting since the NBA-ABA merger, and that was an MJ season. I mean, get the hell out of here with that. This dude's averaging 36 a night? He's averaging 36 a night. Averaging 36 a night, but playing both ends of the floor now. Recommitting himself on the defensive end. 70 is a career high. It's also a Sixers franchise record. And he did it to Wemby and Pop. And I'm pretty sure that Wemby and Pop knew that it was going to be a rough night from the jump. I just don't think that they thought it was going to be that rough. Although maybe they did, since Pop was already joking about it even before the game.
1: We're going to hammer his ass. <laughs> I told Wemby to stick him, put your butt right in his stomach, back him down over the rim, and just throw him through the rim. That's what you can look forward to tonight. Don't tell Wemby I said that.
0: Pop, he's something, man. Has anybody ever had so much fun getting their asses kicked every single night? (laughs) Only Pop. That's funny. But yeah, but not to everybody, because a lot of people somehow missed the joke. That was sarcasm. Incredibly obvious sarcasm. And I know a lot of geniuses on social media thought that Pop was somehow being serious and started to get all aggro about it. But if incredibly obvious sarcasm wasn't incredibly obvious enough, here was his actual take.
1: I don't think it matters what we do. I'll give you some bullshit if you want.
0: He was right. It really did not matter what they did. Joel was going to get his last night. And right now, dude can get his like nobody else. So why don't we all just appreciate it instead of bickering about who the MVP should have been last year, who it's going to be this year. Like when I said last year that he was the MVP, I also said it was not a knock on anybody else. It was a really unusual year. It was not a knock on anybody else. I said that because it wasn't. We all know that Joker is an incredible player. And if he wins it again this year, nobody will be surprised. And nobody should be surprised. Just like we all know that Giannis is an incredible player as well. However, however, none of that means we should be taking Joel for granted. My dude Tyrese Maxey has my back on that one too
1: can't take Joe for granted, man. What he's doing right now is special. and uh, He's not just doing it off layups. He's not doing it off just threes. He's not doing it off. He's doing it off every single thing. And uh, he's making free throws. He's doing so much out there. And, you know, The kicker is he's on the other end. He's anchoring the defense as well. You know, he's not taking any nights off on defense. So you know, we appreciate him, and everybody else should appreciate him as well.
0: Well said. I know I do. In fact, I appreciate both you dudes. However, however, maybe I lied. Maybe I wasn't fully truthful. Maybe I'm the one that needs to apologize to Joel. Because the fact of the matter is, I need to change gears right in the midst of talking about his historic night and talk about something else amazing that happened in the association last night. Joel, big fella. Sorry about this, dude. Sorry about this, my dude. I know you got 70, but you do not get the entire segment. My bad. But I do have to get to the night that Carl Anthony Towns had. My bad, my. My bad, my friend. My bad. Incredibly My bad. enough, Joe's 70-piece was not the only all-time franchise scoring record set in the association last night. It's just that the vibes around Cats 62-point night in Minnesota could not be any more different or more opposite from the 70-burger vibes in Philly. The dude scores 62 points and the mood after the game could not have been any worse. But incredible At the same time, for starters, the Wolves lost. They lost on a night where Cat had 62. That's not great. They also blew an 18-point lead, which is below not good, to a bad Charlotte team, no less. And then the entire team got absolutely flamed by their head coach, Chris Finch, in his post-game presser, which was actually amazing. In fact, Chris Finch cooking his entire team in the postgame after Cat set that franchise scoring record might have actually been the best thing that happened in the NBA last night. Again, sorry, Joe. I mean it. He gets 70. Cat gets 62. But I think I'm most impressed with my guy Chris Finch because he was not at all impressed with Cat's 62. In fact, it kind of sounds like He absolutely hated every second of that 62-point night.
1: Chris, what happened in this one to let it slip away? Well, I mean, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach.
0: My dude, that's what I'm saying right there. Forget tossing Cat his flowers for a franchise record-setting night. My man, Coach Finch, just set those flowers on fire, stomped on them, and then took a big dump on the ashes. Quote, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. End quote. What a legendary thing for a head coach to say after a game. Any game, let alone that game, let alone after a franchise scoring record game. Also legendary to be subbing a dude out for defense in crunch time on a night that that same dude set the franchise scoring record. I mean, I love all of it. Like, he didn't just bench the salt. Bench the salt. But he did bench a dude in the midst of setting a franchise record for most points in a game. Incredible but not as incredible as doing that and then lighting his own team on fire for being, quote, disgusting and immature.
1: Absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball.
0: A disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. That might be my favorite NBA line ever from an NBA coach. Ask me. That really is a quote for the ages. Calling his defense disgusting is already awesome, But chasing that with, we played immature basketball, makes it legendary. The dude's like, the standard is the standard, but that ain't our standard. Unless our standard is playing disgusting defense and immature basketball. My man, (laughs) my man, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I so feel your pain. It's like we're living the same life, you and I. You want to see disgusting and immature, Coach? I present to you the clones. Disgusting and immature. Hell, An immature basketball. never mind my audience, Coach. I present to you my staff. No names mentioned. James Kelly. Disgusting and probably the most immature adult I've ever met in my life. So disgusting. I do feel your pain, Coach hell, at least you're still on top in the West and just had one really disgusting and immature night. Hell, I live this crap every damn day. (laughs) This is where I live. That's not all he said, though. He also said that they were just hunting a big number for cat. But it wasn't just cat that he had a problem with.
1: Like I said, there's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature, um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the the roster. We totally disrespected the game ourselves, um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So,
0: let me save you clones the trouble all together now. I see cat mate. Sorry, now you're done. <laughs> this guy, back to uh, Finch. <laughs> cat, Man, mate. he is. Thank you, Alvy. Man, my man is such fire, and he's so right. There are a lot of ways to be immature. And again, I know that better than anybody because you clones demonstrate every last one of those ways every single day. Look, if any of that sounds harsh or over the top from Finch, it really isn't. I couldn't be more behind this guy for what he said, because this is not just any Wolves team in the middle of any Wolves season. In fact, if you check the Western Conference standings right now, you might be shocked to find out. The Wolves are currently sitting on top. They're number one in the West. They've got the best record in the West right now. They're having one of their best seasons ever right now, thanks in large part to their head coach. And their head coach has got much bigger goals than just running up the point tally for Cat. Yes, clones, I know. I see Cat, mate. We see Cat, mate. Finch is doing exactly the right thing holding them to that standard. There's only one thing to say when your team barely shows up and doesn't do anything but try to feed one player going for a scoring record like they're playing NBA 2K or something like that. Only one thing you can say, and Finch said it. But if you don't believe me, take Aunt Edwards' word for it. And yes, I'm a huge Aunt Edwards guy too, but my dude last night scored just nine points. On three of eleven shooting, but at least he owned it afterwards, and he essentially copped to just about every last thing that his head coach said.
1: Wasn't focused from the jump at all. Was never focused. Cat just had a great night. He wasn't
0: focused. He started out obviously started on fire. Did you think that? it turned, the focus turned from winning the game to just, try just, to just trying him. to get him? Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. he hit his first six, seven shots, I think everybody was pretty much just trying to see him go get 100 points. I knew I was. So. That's
0: an incredible thing to say. I don't know if you followed that. He said after he hit his first six or seven shots, everybody was just trying to see if we could get him at 100 points. I know I was.
1: Yeah. He his first six seven shots. I think everybody was pretty much just trying to see him go get 100 points. I
0: knew I was. So. It's like our dude was feeling it. He hit his first six or seven shots, and then all of a sudden, the entire team just went into wilt mode. Let's get him 100. Let's get him a C note. Man, no wonder Finch is so mad. Of course Chris Finch was going to react terribly to that. I mean, I give Ann so much credit for admitting that. We were just trying to get our guy 100. So Chris Finch was going to react terribly to that because any NBA coach would react terribly to that. It's the coach's job to react terribly to that, especially when he's coaching a team that actually does have something to play for. A team that's actually in the midst of one of their best seasons ever. And if they're going to get there, they can't be having nonsense nights like that. Losing to a team like that. Because they're trying to get their guy 100 and blowing an 18-point lead. (laughs) I'm telling you, man. It's so funny. Not to him, it's not. Hey, look. Listen, I believe in their breakthrough, for the record. This has been a big Wolves' house since Finch got there. And it's a big Aunt Edwards' house. And I've always been a big cat guy myself. Yeah, I know. I see cat, mate. We see cat, mate. And the truth is, even after last night's debacle... Because of last night's debacle, I'm even more hyped on the team because of what their coach said. I loved it. Loved everything about what he said. It was just a very different tune from what Nick Nurse said following the Sixers game. In fact, the aftermath of Joel's performance couldn't have been any more opposite from the aftermath of Cat's performance. And there is one reason for that. The Sixers actually won. Joel actually played some defense. To go along with that 70 burger. And he will also accept any of your apologies on the side. Although he doesn't really need them. He's more than happy to keep going Troel on all your asses. Disgusting
1: what a wild night. Of defense.
0: Disgusting and defense. Immature and immature basketball. I mean, it's almost like a Jameis situation. He had to have been telling them, hey, 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 stop. Stop hunting. Stop hunting points for Cat. Defend somebody. Make the extra pass. Hey, can you look up at that scoreboard? We did have an 18-point lead. It's almost like they just collectively decided, no, we're going to get our guy the record. Come on, coach. It's a long-ass year, right? What's one game matter? What's a game against Charlotte matter? One, it's not like we're going to lose. They did. And who cares in the big scheme? We got our guy the record. Yeah, but you didn't get him 100. In fact, you didn't even come close. You didn't even get him what Joel got last night. What a great night in the association. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. I don't need in-season tournaments. I need teams forgetting what their concept is all about and feeding their guy to get him a franchise record and then the head coach lighting them on fire and calling them disgusting and immature. You want me to pay more attention to the regular season? Give me that.
1: Disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball.
0: And and how awesome was it that at the end of the game, Cat was reinserted, had a look at a three-pointer to tie the game, and missed by like 15 feet. Just airballed it on a night when he got the record. When all they did was get him the ball to shoot it, he gets the last shot and draws nothing but air. Disgusting! It's <laughs> incredible. So again, if I had to rank these things from top to bottom, my favorite thing that happened last night: Chris Finch, then Joel. Joe, sorry about that, my man. I'm sorry about that. And then Cat, and then Cat missing that last shot, and then Ant admitting we tried to get him a hundred because he made his first six shots.
1: He hit his first NBA
0: action, seven it's seven. fantastic. Let me get some reaction really quickly. <laughs> amazing reaction. Uh, Tommy Roller writes, Jim, Chris Finch is absolutely right. Cat had 62 points, but seven turnovers, and his plus-minus was zero. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? His plus-minus was zero. Zero. Quote, he deserved to be publicly blasted for his lack of defense. Right, Tom. Did you just hear me for, for like fifteen minutes I just did it? This guy's handle is at tan smack ESQ. It's a good handle. You should have asked me for it, but it's a good handle. Hi Jim, I agree with Chris Finch. That was a disgusting act. Signed Joe Buck.
2: That is
0: a disgusting act. This it was disgusting a disgusting act and defense. it was immature though
1: and immature basketball
0: my man hey Rome I can identify with Chris Finch in an absolutely disgusting performance of defense regards Sean McDermott's alleged great defense in the playoffs versus the chiefs or Bengals Scott and Crabchester Bill's fans still not happy defense. hey Bill's fan I'm here for it Like I said, we couldn't get to all of it yesterday. So if you want to talk about it some more today, let's go ahead and do it. That Bills defense, it was so banged up anyway. It was so banged up coming in, and they just got beat up. Beat up, banged up, beaten down, ran out of steam, aged out. We're talking about a Bills team. It's obviously going to be so different next year. That roster is going to look so different next year, and especially defensively, for the reasons I mentioned. Banged up, beaten down, aged out. You've got free agents there, possible retirements there. That defense is going to look really different next year. Ryan in Sacktown. JR, give Coach Finch a golden ticket. War Perry Larry and Nooch being homeless this year on the row. Ryan. Ryan, what what does any of this mean, dude? And and why are you participating anywhere outside of the beef segment, which you can barely hold down as it is? you You know what's a bad idea, Ryan? Me reading anything you say and me giving a coach a golden ticket. Remember what happened the last time I did that? That coach came on there and said, I don't really have any smack today. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Johnny!
0: You know, the day of the smack-off. The day of the smack-off is not the day to not have any smack.
2: Tell that clone to get a life.
0: Jamie and Green Bay, quote, We're just trying to get our guy, Wells, unbanned. Signed, the clones. Hey, it's like Pop said, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. I can give you a bullcrap answer. He's not getting unbanned. Carlin Prescott, quote, wore all the immature clones pushing for Wells to be unbanned. Hey, y'all want to join basketball. him? It's really not that big of a movement. It's a movement of two, Carl and Jamie. And if you two want to join him, feel free, or I can help you. Scott Johnson writes Hey, Jim, why are we talking about the association? I thought the Lakers already hung the banner. Scott. Oh, no. In the 716 war ers it took something like that for me to talk about the association in season. All right. So far, so good on the reaction. Not so much on the phones. I'm looking for good phone calls. Difference-making phone calls. Phone calls that somehow make the show better. 1-800-636-8686. Go ahead, hit me up. Speaking of the association, I'll continue this conversation with Dan Wojcicki. At 940. So, one quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Well, you've got the family that's behind it, right? There is something to be said for a family business which does stand by quality. That's their standard. The standard is the standard. And their standard is to produce the world's finest beef jerky. Do not get it twisted. Don't be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose... Oil Trapper. You can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. And every single bite of old Trapper is tender. And it's never tough because they use just the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef seasoned with top quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke. Oil Trapper just happens to deliver quality in every single bite. And it does come in four mouth-watering flavors. Make sure you get yourself some. Try all four. They come in four ounce bags. If you've already gone down that road and you already know what you want, get the big boy, the 18 ouncer. That way, there's enough for everybody on the entire team. If for some reason you don't see it, and you will, but if you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? You're listening to the Jim
2: Rome Show.
0: All right, so I've got a short segment here. (laughs) Those two dudes supporting their guy. I don't mean Ant. I mean Jamie and Carl supporting their guy, Wells, who's been banned from the jungle. So, uh, all right. I will read one submission from Wells in the 720 who's been banned. Right, so it's not a ban if I'm going to read it, Right. But let me just give you an idea what we're dealing with here. This is his latest post on the X. Jim, let me love you. Bro, I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying you can't love me. I'm not stopping you from loving me. Love me all you want, bro. You just can't be on the show. You can't have anything to do with the show. You can love me all you want away from the show or even during the show. But you're still banned from the show. I warned you. And a ban is a ban. I'm not saying you can't love me. I I never said, hey, Wells, stop loving me. I never said anything other than you're banned. I didn't say stop listening. I didn't say stop watching. I didn't say stop caring. I just said you're banned. So you can do whatever the hell you want, Wells. I don't focus on trying to control the uncontrollables. And you, my friend, are uncontrollable. That's why you got banned. However, feel free to love me all you want. I'm not telling you you can't. Quote, Jim, let me love you. Do whatever the hell you want, big boy. I love him. All I said was you're banned. And you're still banned. <laughs> we're just trying to get him unbanned. It's like we were just trying to get our guy 100 points. See, equivalent, right? Neither one of those things were ever going to happen. Mike D for three. Nah, nah, we're good. We're good with Wells being banned. You should add some more, in fact. What, to a lifetime ban? Should I ban him when he's in the ground too? Even I can't do that. What, do I ban his offspring? You, my man, are banned for life, for life. And so are your kids, and so are your neighbors, and so are your friends. So, is anybody you've ever come in contact with banned for life? For life, 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 life. life. Well, look who's here at NY Delight. Quote, Joel doesn't win when it counts. I knew that was coming. I I almost addressed that in the middle of the thought because I knew that was coming. Joel doesn't win when it counts. So, who cares about the 70 ball when they're in Cancun in June? Kobe would never. All right. I'll tell you who cares. Joel. Joel. After the game, when asked about it, Joel said, quote, it doesn't really mean anything until you win the whole thing. I knew that was coming. Why why is there always... Always, always got to be, I don't want to say hate, but like, you got to take everybody down. There's always a yeah, but, or it doesn't mean Jack. It actually does. It's a franchise record. He scored 70. He's playing both ends of the floor. He's about all the right stuff. Like, I don't understand the Joel hate. Believe me, nobody is more aware of the fact that he has to finish and hold up the hardware. Nobody wants it more than Joel. Trust me, he's evolved to that point. But I knew that was coming. What, so it didn't happen? D- does it not go into the books as a record because he hasn't won a championship? No, it does. It does. It matters. All right, when we come back, but I knew that was coming. I just didn't think it was coming from you and why delight. But what's up? Good to see you. It's been a minute. Let's get you a sports update. Here it is. From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. So even more amazing than spending the first half hour talking about the association, on the week of the championship games in the conference in the NFL is we're going to spend the whole hour doing it we are joined right now by a beat writer for the LA Times covering the Lakers he also served as national NBA writer for the LA Times as well he also served as the Clippers beat writer for the Orange County Register he is a good friend of the program he is Dan Wojcicki Dan good to have you back what's going on Dan how are you
2: Jim, I'm good. It's always good to hear from you. You too.
0: Appreciate you doing it. So before we get to the Lakers, Dan, you know the league as well as anybody. So I want to get your thoughts on what we saw last night. A wild, wild night in the association. Joel getting his, Cat getting his, his coach losing his mind, even KD having a night but getting lost in the shuffle. What were your biggest takeaways from a wild night in the association last night?
2: Yeah, it's funny. So I was doing TV here in L.A. last night um, you know, on, on the Lakers' uh, RSN, and um, the, the scores are coming through, and, and I turned to Mike Bresnahan, who used to be the Lakers' beard for the L.A. Times, and my initial thought was, like, I don't know if you can build an NBA team around defense anymore. <laughs> it just seems like there's just too much size. There's just too much skill. I, I think it's not a coincidence that the three players we're talking about are all over six foot eleven. I mean, really, Kevin Durant, seven feet tall. So you got three just gigantic players um, with the ability to score at all three levels, with the ability to go to the line. Like I was watching Joel Embiid in that game, and it was like, I mean, I think San Antonio's defense was comical against him, right? Like, I mean, they didn't have a prayer. Um, he could have shot a thousand free throws in that game, and, and it, it was to me that was my initial sort of reaction: was that this, like. The quality of offense in this league is so, so good right now that it's either going to take some level of rule intervention or some defensive genius to figure this out, or, or we're going to see more games like this, maybe not 70 and 60 on the same night, but I, I mean, I think the skill is only getting better. <laughs>
0: I think you make a really interesting point about we may need to see a rule intervention. Hey, listen, I love the offense, but I can't lie to you. I'm kind of caught up in the drama of a team trying to get their guy the record and totally disregarding the coach. And then the coach melting down afterwards and calling the team's effort defensively disgusting and then playing immature basketball. What did you make of that whole scene?
2: Well, you're not. I, this is you're. You're speaking to a very big
0: Chris Finch fan. Me don't. Oh, no, I let uh, no. Let me be real clear about this. Sorry to interrupt. I love him. Absolutely yeah, love he, him, and I love yeah. his reaction.
2: Go ahead. Yeah. No. And I think it, what it does is, I mean, it, it is sort of the Carl Anthony Towns story in a nutshell, right? Which is like this is a player whose talent has never been questioned ever by any evaluator around the league, but like who people like sometimes wonder about his toughness. They wonder about what he does towards winning. And on the night that he has the best game of his entire NBA career offensively, his team loses to the lousy Hornets. Um, You know, the coach lights into their effort. Um, He disrupts winning. He disrupts um, just everything with, like, you know, what Chris Finch called, like, selfish basketball. Um, Sort of a perfect microcosm of, like, the the pitfalls, I guess, around Carl Anthony Towns. He's one of those players that comes up a lot when you talk to – GMs and assistant GMs about, like, who's the big name that could be on the move at some point in the near future. Um, But these are the reasons why, like, there aren't, like, a ton of people out there salivating. Um, It is stuff like this. Like, he's good enough... Good enough to score sixty and bad enough to get you beat on the same night. Apparently,
0: Dan Wojcik joining us. So where does that leave them? Like his reaction? Do you think that Finch was upset because he told them, "Hey, come on, man, stop doing that"? Or was he trying to send a message like, "Like lo and behold, they are the best team in the West right now. They yeah. are on top of the West." Is that like him trying to interrupt some pattern? Like, guys, we're not having that. This is not what we're yeah. about. We're in the midst I, of something that's really what I special. Think it
2: is. Yeah, that's what I think it is, is that this is sort of like it is the time to put childish things behind you. Like, we are good. We are really, really good. And these are the kinds of things that get you beat down the road. Um, you know, losing to Charlotte in January, like, won't define the Minnesota season. Um, but losing to the eighth seed in, you know, late April, early May will. And, and so what you're trying to do is you're trying to take a team that has never really won at any real clip. You know what I mean? They had the experience last year playing Denver in the playoffs, but, you know, and going through, I guess, the play in tournament. But, like, it's never really, like, won in, like, an all capital letters type of way. So, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take that team and you're trying to say, like, here, like, let's get, like, let's start working this now. Let's accelerate our process. Our window is open. We are no longer building, we are there. So, like let's not
0: screw it up right we're there as long as we don't do things like that Dan Wojcik is joining us so you'll be covering the latest battle for LA tonight between the Lakers mm-hmm. and the Clippers a couple of teams going in opposite directions James Harden Dan did not bring his fat suit and drag them down quite the opposite actually they've been climbing up the standings since his arrival are you buying the Clippers as legit championship contenders
2: I am. Uh, I think, Jim, you know, it's funny. I was not a huge proponent of the James Harden trade at first because I didn't really, I thought he was too, like, there's too much duplicity in terms of guys who needed the ball and, you know, different things like that. But, like, they've really cottoned into a rhythm that isn't just sort of like, all right, James Harden, you go for six minutes. All right, Paul George, you go for six minutes. Like, they're actually playing, like, pretty good team basketball. Um, they have a lot of size, they have a lot of wings, they have um, shooting. Defensive versatility. They have size. Um, they have a championship level coach. You have a championship level star in Kawhi Leonard. Um, I know what James Harden's issues have been in the playoffs before, but this is the most firepower he's had around him since he was on the Thunder. Um, like, yeah, I, I you know I'm, I was wrong. I was like flat out wrong about it. I think um, you know it was a great trade for the, the, the Clippers. They didn't give up a lot to get it done and um, they're in excellent position.
0: Yeah, Listen, I think most of us felt that way about Harden, and most of us were wrong, and you're right. They they're playing really good ball. Let me ask you about the Lakers because, Dan, they've mm-hmm. been scuffling of late. Is it that dreaded in-season tournament title hangover that so many teams before them have suffered from, or yeah. is it something else?
2: Yeah, I mean, history has shown, Jim, if you win that in-season <laughs> right. tournament – your wallet just gets too fat it's it's too hard to jump um it's funny it, you know everybody
0: a- wants to get paid after they win that thing
2: that's right that's right you know everybody's a little high on the hog i it, it it's you know these sound like excuses and and like in isolation they all are um the in-season tournament did take a lot out of them um they played very hard um good for them it was fun it was a good trip I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching. Enjoyed covering it, Um, but it also came at a time when the schedule was brutal. They were traveling all the time, like in this weird way where they were gone for four or five days in the Midwest, home for two, gone again for six days, home for two. Um, You know, traveling alongside the team, like it was exhausting. I was exhausted, and I don't do anything on the road. Um, Certainly, don't don't exercise. Um, And then I think you know, thirdly, like the teams they were playing were better their schedule got harder. Um, you know, you mentioned Minnesota. They played them twice in that stretch. They played the Thunder twice in that stretch. Um, Phillies in that stretch. Boston, um, you know, Dallas is in that stretch twice. Like, they played a lot of really good teams and didn't have the, the right energy, didn't have the right mindset, didn't have the right urgency against those teams. Um, I think, though, that all of that being said, it did expose some of the issues with this roster um, and kind of the fact that they've left a lot of found money on the table in the, in the sense that You know, to date, LeBron James and Anthony Davis have both been relatively healthy. I know LeBron won't play tonight with the ankle injury, but, you know, these guys have been on the court and they've played really good basketball. And, um, you know, 500 probably isn't good enough to show for how good, particularly how good Anthony Davis and how reliable he's been.
0: Dan Wojcicki, my guest. Dan, leave me with this thought. I mean, there have been reports that the players and coach, Darvin Ham, are not on the Mm -hmm. same page. There's some sort of disconnect there. You're around that team every single day. Do you see
2: any of that? Yeah, I mean, but I think, it's hard to know, like, how much of it isn't just losing, right? Like, I think that's always the type of thing is that when teams lose, fingers get pointed in a lot of directions. And um, during that last month, like, everybody was a very unhealthy, a very unhappy place to work. And I think that everybody would tell you that. Um, You you know, you do have this kind of, you know, dynamic where you have Darvin Ham, who, you know, is still a new head coach, relatively speaking, and you have an experienced team with expectations coming off of, um, you know, a surprise run to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I don't think anybody expected them to be in this position, uh, certainly not internally, where they're, they're back in this play-in hunt. They're back talking about major roster changes and different things like that. And, you know, there's been frustration. There's been frustration with the rotations there's Been frustrations with the changes in starting lineups. Um, and D- Darvin defense, a lot of that has to do with injuries, but also a lot of it has had to do with indecision and, like, kind of trying to figure out the right mix of guys it's it's been a lot of things, Jim. I, I kind of tend to tell people that I don't think complex problems have simple solutions. And, and it's sort of like this is a team that needs to get right on a few different fronts.
0: Do you think, and Rob Pelinka did a great job, Dan, last year of reshaping that roster on the fly, can he make or do you expect him to make any dramatic changes before the deadline?
2: I think they're, they're going to be active. Um, you know, I, I do think that it, it'll be tough. You know, DeJounte Murray is the name um, that I hear most. Bruce Brown is another one. I do think DeJounte Murray is is a, would be a significant type of addition, um, not just for this year, but for, like, kind of the foreseeable future in this team. But we just saw today with the Terry Rozier deal, you know, that that's a first-round pick to get Terry Rozier with Kyle Lowry. D'Angelo Russell's contract is not expiring. Um, he has, you know, a player option for next season. So, you know, you're going to need to, Atlanta doesn't want that, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to attach something to that to get him somewhere. In addition to whatever you know, Atlanta's gonna want for Dejounte Murray, who's certainly I think a tier above Terry um, Rogier. So the price might be too steep for the Lakers. I don't know. They they've talked. They've they've had really substantial discussions. I'd imagine they'll revisit them, but I think the market's gonna to have to come back to the Lakers a little bit and closer to the deadline.
0: Hey Dan, I got about 30 seconds. How's B. Arthur, the dog? No.
2: Oh. Jim, he's great. Um, still still a total spaz. Um, real bad anxiety issues. But, like, what do you expect? You named the dog after a golden girl. It's like, he's <laughs> going to have mental issues.
0: Right. He is a Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. He served as a national NBA writer for the paper as well. Also covered the Clippers for the register. He is Dan Wojcik. Dan, thanks so much. Great to have you on. That was fun.
2: Jim, I'll, I'll make sure Mr. B knows you were asking about it. Please him. do.
0: Please do. I'd appreciate that. All my best to Mr. B. He did name his dog B. Arthur. <laughs> Dan Wojcicki. The dog has anxiety, but what would you expect from a dog named after a, quote, golden girl? His word, not mine's. Rome, Carl Towns' selfish basketball is unbelievable, and I can't believe that he would disrespect a coach like that. Regards, Jameson handing the ball off in victory formation. Jamison. Jameson? Jameson. J.P. and Riverside wore the NBA season officially starting for me after the Super Bowl. That's fine, generally. But if that's the case, then you missed some really good stuff last night. We just spent the entire hour talking about the association. You know what? If the NBA season does not start for you until after the Super Bowl... Proof reading season is every day for me and it should be for you too, JP.